You're listening to Team Talk on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. Welcome back to Team Talk. Joe O'Neill, Sam Hauser with you till 6 o'clock tonight because we got to get ready for this 6.30 tip-off. Yeah, I said 6.30, not 8.30, not 8, 6.30 tonight in Laramie. The Lobos traveling to face the Wyoming Cowboys. Joining us now is Keith Kelly. He's the host of Sports Zone on 97.5 KFBC in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And he's also the radio voice for Wyoming Hoops. And uh, Keith, thank you so much for joining us here. Looking forward to the game tonight. I'm going to start here. Uh, Arena Auditorium. So many years of watching the Lobos go up there, watching other teams battle up there. And it has always been such an imposing venue. Uh, I'm looking at the attendance, and you had Mm -hmm. 7,100 against Colorado State, but, you know, not much more than like the 4,100 or whatever against Nevada. What kind of a crowd do you expect tonight up there in Laramie, Keith? You know, I think it would have been a pretty darn good one for a Tuesday night had they gone to Vegas and beaten UNLV. I still think it's going to be a solid one. It won't be 7,100 like the CSU game, but I think it'll be a pretty good student turnout. The weather's nice. I mean, it's going to be in the mid-40s in Laramie. The roads should be good. So you might you might get a, a pretty decent crowd over there. But uh, it's kind of been a struggle after last season's nine-win uh, year and some of the things uh, that, that happened with the, the players leaving and all that kind of went a little sour with basketball. And, and this team has uh, worked its tail off to try and get the, the fans back there, and it kind of showcased that with CSU. But it would be good to have a, a solid crowd against the Lobos because this is going to be a daunting task. No, we, uh, we've experienced those kind of ups and downs, you know, over the years, but now we're obviously on the upswing. Uh, coach Jeff Linder, you mentioned last year's team, uh, and the disappointments. And let's face it, I mean, uh, you were riddled with injuries more than just probably about as, as any team in the country. Uh, so, um, he's back, uh, had won four out of five before the loss to UNLV. Uh, just your thoughts on, uh, the team this season and what kind of potential performance we might see tonight out of him i really like what what jeff linder has done this season because there were a lot of unknowns they took some chances last year they they had an ncaa tournament caliber team if graham Ike stays healthy i mean that's just let's just point to the facts they and then the injuries just were riddled you're exactly right and and fast forward to this season, they they added uh, an Aquel Cott who was a Division Two All American at Fort Lewis. They added Mason Walters, who was the NAIA National Player of the Year at Jamestown in North Dakota. You just don't know how that's going to translate to the Division One level. There's no conversion chart for stuff like that. But Aquel has been good. He he's really starting to find himself. He's such a good mid range shooter. Mason missed the first 10 games of the season, and, and I fully think that if he's healthy at the beginning of the year, they probably have three or four more wins to their credit. So, you know, th- this team this year is very blue-collar. It's a, it's a team that Wyoming can get behind. These type of blue-collar teams are, 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 are the ones that fans really like. 
they shoot it really well. We're starting to see Brendan Wenzel snap out of his shooting funk. Uh, he, he's been really shooting it well of late. Now, you know, you, you look at what they did against Vegas. That was their worst shooting performance of the year. And you got to give credit to UNLV defensively, but Wyoming missed a lot of open shots. I mean, they had a lot of open threes. They went four of 25 from three at that game. They were a 40% three point shooting team entering that. That's just not going to happen. And heading into this one, you know, I go back to that first meeting and Mason Walters has three fouls in the first four minutes. Well, they were winning the game when he left the floor. He didn't play again, and they turned it over. I mean, he was bringing the ball up the floor. They weren't turning it over. He leaves, and it's just chaos after that. They turned it over, what, 17 or 18 times in that first half. He comes back in the second half, and they trim it to seven within the first five minutes. He's got to stay out on the floor tonight for them to have a chance. Otherwise, House, Mashburn, did. those guys are just going to wreak havoc on the Wyoming guards. Curious, because Sam uh, brought it up on this show the day after that game, is how can you not have pulled Mason Walters when he got those first two? Did did we ever find out if they were like, hey, we're just going to roll with them with two fouls with you know 16 minutes to go in the first half? Or uh, was there some sort of communication issue where somebody on the bench didn't tell Coach Linder that, you know, he had two fouls. Uh, just curious about it. Was there any discussion about that? It was unusual to see a guy get his third foul with so much time to go in the first half. I'm always hesitant because I am not a anti-official, anti-referee guy. I, I really don't don't like to do that. But they brought a guy off the bench to come up to the scorer's table, and he was told to go back because apparently he didn't get up in time. And that's kind of the explanation. Now, Jeff Linder did, he's not one to do that either. He said, you know, I got to get my guys back up off the bench quick, uh, quicker, I guess. But that, that's what, that's what we saw. They, they, they were told to go back to, to the bench and, and the very, like three seconds later, he picks up his third foul. It, it, it was very, it was very interesting, but it, it was unfortunate. I don't know how much he plays in the uh, the first half anyway. I bet they probably bring him back in considering what what transpired, but yeah, that was that was an interesting deal right there because you, you got to think the coach is is trying to get him out and you know, the official said, "Yeah, you didn't get up in time." Yeah, uh we're talking to Keith Kelly. He's the voice of Wyoming call uh He's the voice of Wyoming Cowboy basketball here on 1017 the team talking about tonight's game in Laramie against Wyoming. Yeah, um I'm I'm looking here uh the statistics in conference uh the team shooting about 45% from the field uh but 35 from behind the three and that's taking into consideration that poor shooting night at UNLV. Um, so with that, you know, the Lobos up 17 at the half, ended up winning by 17, although Wyoming made a nice little run there in the second half. Uh, you know, like, give us what the Wyoming coaches think is the game plan uh, to have a different story against New Mexico tonight. Well, I don't think it's any secret. It's keep Mason Walters on the floor as long as possible because he does so much. And if you think about what Boise State did against New Mexico to win in the pit. Tyson Dagenhart was bringing the ball up the floor a lot of that time to keep those guards off of the the guy bringing the ball up the floor and keep the turnovers down. I mean, New Mexico, what was it, 28 nothing points off turnovers against the Cowboys? And that that's the game. That's the game right there. If they can take care of the ball, 
I, you know, I expect to have a pretty good game. If they get loose with it, it, it like they did up in the pit, they're going to get beat. I mean, that that's the bottom line. So I think you're going to see probably not all the time, but maybe I'm sure Coach Patino has, they've had a week off between uh, the Boise State loss and, and coming to Laramie. They're probably going to adjust to that cer- certain thing. We'll see what, what transpires w- with those adjustments. But I think, you know, if, if they can take care of the ball, if Wyoming takes care of the ball, look, they're going to shoot it better. I mean, at home, they're shooting 50% from the field this season. They're 45% from three. Uh, they they are outscoring opponents uh, in the second half. I mean, I mean they, they play. It's just like any team in the Mountain West. They're they're just different at home. Any team in the country, really. But guys, it boils down to taking care of the ball. And if Wyoming can withstand that on ball pressure that House and Mash Remy Jalen House, he he loves being the heel, right? He he lo- he relishes that, and he doesn't care. He's going to go up, get in your face. He's going to get steals. That's just the way he plays, and I really like the way he plays. But when it's against your team, you can't stand it because it's just so understood. He's just pesky, man, and he's just so good at it. So I think limiting the turnovers by having Mason Walters bring the ball before, much like Hunter Maldonado did. If you remember that game in the pit last year when Wyoming beat New Mexico, it was Hunter Maldonado bringing the ball up the floor. Tyson Dagenhart for Boise State. Now Mason Walters. It really limits the amount of pressure that I think New Mexico can put on on opposing guards. We're talking to Keith Kelly here on Team Talk ESPN Radio 1017, the team, the voice of Wyoming football and men's basketball. Lobos in Laramie tonight to play the Wyoming Cowboys 630 on the Mountain West Network. And guys getting back on that home floor, Keith, for the first time since... I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. One of the most historic comebacks in NCAA history against Colorado State. I mean, the the numbers speak for themselves. We kind of got the view of what was going on from the outside. Just take us through that from from your perspective and just what that was like to see that play out the way that it did and to finish it out with the win in overtime. You know, as a broadcaster, right, it's every broadcaster's dream to have something like that. You can never plan for it because you just never know if and when that's going to happen. And we'll probably never see that again at Wyoming. That's just once-in-a-lifetime type of comeback. And it just it just kind of happened. I, I don't even know. We, Kevin and I, my, my broadcast partner, Kevin McKinney, who's been at Wyoming for 54 years, who's never seen anything like that before either, and we'd pretty much kind of given the game to see if you, you know how you're finishing off a game. Well, you know, why am I going to look ahead and, you know, they get a three. Okay. That's nice. You get a steal. Oh, well, here, here we go. CSU's missing front ends of one and ones. Wyoming gets fouled on a three and all of a sudden you're like, but it was still a five point game with nine seconds left. Everything that had to happen happened for that, that to take place. And I still don't believe it. It was so funny coming home after the game, driving back to Cheyenne. My my wife was with me, and we're like, "What? What did we just see? What just happened?" Because I it wasn't until well after the game when I was scrolling through Twitter, and I was like, "Holy cow! That's the second biggest comeback in college basketball history with that little amount of time left." And you're really part of history. It was amazing, and to have it happen against your your rivals, the Border War rivals, it, it was just fantastic. And I felt bad for the the people who left the uh, the arena, and I don't blame them, right? I don't blame them, but I felt bad for them. Hopefully they were listening 
uh, as they got in their cars. But it was kind of funny when we were down at Air Force uh, the next game and, and came away with the win. It was kind of a similar situation down up to the Wyoming was up 10, 11, 12 with right around a minute. And Kevin and I both looked at each other, oh boy, we've seen this before. And it obviously didn't happen. But uh, no, that was insane. I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a comeback like that. It, it was it's something historic to be a part of and you know it definitely made the national rounds i think and like you said in the border war making it a little bit oh. extra sweet there as, as as well i mean yeah good as it gets there with colorado state now looking ahead to the lobos tonight you mentioned brandon wenzel i'm looking at his last five games he's sat for a total of two minutes by my count here in the last five games are, are you starting yeah. to see some of the similarities for somebody who got a couple of years to play with Hunter Maldonado. I mean, similar, just bigger guards, the way that he's out there all the time. Are you, are you seeing some of the similarities as far as the way that he's leading this team? You know, you bring it up, and you know that, that's, that's an interesting point you do bring up in terms of being that, that leader. I see that they're different players. If you remember, Hunter was more of a, a point-forward type of guy. Brendan won't bring the ball up the floor. Brendan shoots much better from three-point range than Maldo did. But we're seeing him get to the basket a little bit more using the, the dribble. Maldo was more of a dribble-down type of guy, right? He, he dribbled down, draw the double team, and, and find the open man for, for three. Or he was such a mismatch, uh, he, he would go one-on-one and, and, and get the points. So they're a little different in that aspect. But the way they play, I mean, Brendan is just starting to find his shot. And before this, he was really doing a good job on the glass, and he was having to guard the opposing team's best player. So he's still starting. But for him to, to sit, what did you say, two tie, two minutes over the last? Him and Aquel Cott have been 40-minute uh, guys uh, for a while, and, and you'll like Aquel because he, he just doesn't get tired. But, no, that's an interesting point you bring up about Brendan and one that I really hadn't even thought of because they're different players, but they are – guys who have been in the program uh, a long time and, and leaders that uh, the new guys definitely look up to. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at it here. 40 minutes against UNLV, 40 at Air mm-hmm. Force, all 45 against the Rams, sat two minutes against San Diego State, 40 against Nevada. I mean, just the, the motor there nonstop there for Brendan Wenzel. As far as the rest of the offense goes, you talk about the difference is just shots are falling versus shots not falling and then going back to shots not falling against UNLV. Is there anything else that you're seeing as far as what opened up the offense over those last four games before UNLV? I think a lot of it had to do with, with Mason, much like Hunter Maldonado. He, they use him in the dribble down, and teams are doubling him and being physical with him because they know how well he can shoot it from inside, and he's a mismatch. He's, he's pretty physical in there. He's finding open guys, and they're getting open shots, and they did that against UNLV. They just didn't make them. So I think when this team is is in rhythm and gets open looks, they're going to win these games, and they're going to make these shots, I should say, not win the games, but they're going to make open shots more often than not, and I think that's a big part of it. Uh, you know, the, the offense goes through Mason Walters when he's out on the floor, and when it's operating the way it's supposed to operate, it, it they're getting open looks. Well, um, I got to ask you about this real quick, Keith. You said your broadcast partner, Kevin McKinney, has been covering Wyoming basketball for f- 54 years? <laughs> so he's been at the University of Wyoming for that long. So he was the sports information director forever. 
at Wyoming, and then he semi-retired. But he's been doing, he and Dave Walsh did, they called games for a long, long time with each other. He hasn't been calling games necessarily that long, but he has been at the University of Wyoming and probably knows more about the University of Wyoming, has more knowledge of it in his, in his pinky finger than I'll ever know. But, yeah, I think he was, this was his 54th year, and he's not slowing down either at all. I, I've, I've known Kevin for now a little over 20 years, and there is definitely no slowdown in him. So we can sit down and talk Fennis Dembo with him. We can talk Eric Lechner with him. We can talk Jim Brandenburg with him. I mean, uh, there's nobody better, right? You can go back 20 years before that, oh! probably. Yeah, we can, we can go, oh, what, what's his name? I, I, I don't want to mess it up. Oh boy! Oh, back uh, Flynn Flynn Robinson. We can go back to the the sixties with Flynn Robinson and, and Bill Stranigan and some of these guys. Uh, definitely. Oh, he he knows it all. And he, the name he's probably forgotten a few names. You know what I mean? You get that many names, you just kind of like I did. You forget. But oh, he, he's great. He's great. All right, a balmy. We just looked it up, uh, Keith. A balmy forty degrees in Laramie tonight. You said no snow on the road, so we'll see what kind of crowd you have at Arena Auto. Auditorium. Thank you so much for your time, Keith. You guys are the best. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, feel free to reach out anytime. Thank you again. Enjoy the game. All right. We certainly will. That's Keith Kelly. He is the voice of men's basketball at the University of Wyoming. He'll be on the call tonight with Kevin McKinney, who's been associated with Wyoming for 54 years. I mean, we used to think about Mike Roberts. He was like there 40 years, and we thought he was uh, there a long time. Uh, Keith, Kevin McKinney there 54 years. They'll be on the call. All right, uh, nice job setting that one up there, Sam, on game day. We've got much more to talk about about that game when we come back. I just I, I got to get this out there because now it's stuck in my head because in the words of John Sterling, we got the skinny on McKinney. <laughs> I love it. Give yourself a da-da-da-da-da-da, Sam. The skinny on McKinney. So we got the skinny on McKinney, and we got the down low on Fennis Dembo at the same time. How about that, Sam? There we go. That's why, that's why you're the best. <laughs> All right, more Team Talk when we come back. Richard Pitino, audio coming up next. Team Talk, Joe O'Neill, Sam Hauser, ESPN Radio, 1017, the team.